Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Nicole, and today we are discussing Shadow Rising. The Shadow Rising, which is the fourth <laughs> book in the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. All of a sudden, I forgot which book we were talking about because uh, there's so many of them in this series. My fault. Yeah, we are discussing The Shadow Rising, which is the fourth book. Uh, today, we have Heather and Nicole instead of Robin and Nicole. There's a lot of reasons why that happened, but a big part of that is that this is a very long, complicated series that not everybody really likes reading or wants to read, and Heather and I both unironically really, really love this series. And so we made the executive decision that Heather and I would talk about it because, quite frankly, Robin doesn't want to, and that's okay. And there's a lot to talk about, and we thought that that would be fine. We also had some weird complication uh, scheduling things for even recording this episode and it was just easier to get two siblings together instead of three <laughs> so that being said hi heather welcome to books that burn a show that you have transcribed for and never actually <laughs> been on hello uh nice to have you here so thank you i nicole will be reading our fractions our factions today instead of robin um uh, so let's get into it disclaimer for those of you who know anything about the series we could go for an hour listing factions. We're not going to. We're only going to list the ones that we think will be pertinent to our discussion. So we have Rand, Perrin, Matt, the Tinkers as a group, Aram, Min, the Aesidae, the Aja, Swan Shanshi, and Elida. Uh, we're pretty sure that's everybody we're going to be talking about. Uh, so for our first topic, we're going to talk about a ram and abandonment by his culture. <laughs> uh, not just not just family this time. Now mm -hmm. it is everyone in his culture has looked at him and said, "We want nothing to do with you. Don't come near me." 
So the Tinkers uh, are the culture and group that he is from, and they are a wandering, traveling group who live by the way of the leaf. They are pacifists. They do not raise a hand in violence, and they never touch a sword. Or any other weapon. Yep. Any Anything that is made only for... Violence. Violence, they are not allowed to touch. So, so they, like, they can have cooking knives, mm-hmm. but not a belt knife, for example. Yep. And yeah. there is a giant battle with these monstrous creatures that uh, leads to some dear family members dying and Aram turns around and picks up a sword and says I want to learn how to wield this so that I can get vengeance and his entire culture says you're out you are dead to us you no longer exist to to the point where I think they even there's even a hint that they might have even had a burial ceremony effectively after he left effectively yeah there's a lot of just my child is dead his grandma literally says i have lost children and all but one of my grandchildren and you just took the last one from me and he is now dead to me uh yeah in reference to perrin being the leader of the instigator he's he's no not he's not the instigator he's the leader of the people that are trying to defend their homes and had taken in the tinkers as refugees to keep them safe to protect them and then not everyone stayed protected and so aram's grandma blames perrin for aram's decision which is there's a lot of like there's there's almost this weird assumption i say i say weird but this is very specific mm-hmm. <laughs> assumption by the people in his immediate caravan that it couldn't have been his decision. Yes. It couldn't have been trauma. Because the thing is, we're talking about this as an abandonment trauma, but this abandonment trauma is coming right on the heels of like a lot of other things. He lost his parents. He lost a lot of his belongings. He lost his sense of, of safety. He, I think... I don't think he sustained injury, but other people did. Other people died. There was just a lot of things happening. And he then and, makes the and, choice. And, but his caravan reacts and his people yeah. react and basically don't even give him the benefit of acknowledging his own agency. Oh, gosh. They won't even, they won't even look at him and say, you have left us. Instead, they talk about him like somebody else made decisions for him and assumed for it. And it's it's a stripping away of his agency. It's a stripping away of everything that was important to him. Mm-hmm. And it's an active rejection of him as a person. And the, the, the thing that makes this, I think, notable that we should, I think, also state maybe is that the Tinkers generally, they don't allow... I I almost want to say even violence on their behalf, but like they acknowledge that their culture does this a certain way, but that not everybody else does. They think that everybody else is, is lost is, you know, should see that their way is best eventually, but they're not out there actively trying to convert people. They're not out there like trying to, they, they do some like 
attempts at like convincing their friends and convincing people who want to talk to them that that their way is best but they're not out here like denigrating other people you can you can even even our our initial protagonists in the series are people who fight yep. for their lives they have and they they're still welcome everyone is welcome in the tickers caravan everybody is welcome to come and stay and trade and and they have a mentality be, that but not death their, not their person. is less horrible and sad than violence. It literally is if I like they have a friend who in this group of tinkers has somebody that we meet and mm. they have this whole conversation of but what if you I think Perrin even talks to them about like, well, what happens if somebody is coming and trying to kill you? You don't even raise a hand of defense. And their response is, well, then I die. Yeah. And that's it. And that's how it's supposed to go. <laughs> and that's fine. But don't you dare fight. Don't. It's such a horrible thing. Yeah. Don't don't you dare harm another don't you dare harm another innocent creature. Yeah. And so then Aram's decision yeah. is rather than accepting death and grieving and mourning and moving on yeah he literally said no i will he literally says i am not going to be helpless yeah. i'm like t he asks parent to teach him how to use the sword yeah and doesn't just run out the door and start attacking things he learns it he practices he works on it and he has uh, he's he's a very sad boy um and he breaks my heart every time I read this series. It's it's so there's a lot to his arc, but like I just the thing that really gets me about the way he is treated is like he is not. I mean, again, I mean, like I said before, he's not he's not his own agency and his decision is not acknowledged or even. And he puts he attaches himself. There's, no, there's nothing there. He attaches himself to Perrin. I mean, he does, but like he's a fully grown adult. <laughs> he attaches himself to Perrin and says, where do you want me? What do you want me to yeah. do? And Perrin literally says, make your choice. Don't follow me. Yeah. Don't do everything I tell you. Be your own person. And he makes his choices and makes his decisions. But he has a <laughs> sense of loyalty and devotion I mean, yeah, and, and all of this that is amazing, but also I, I so heartbreaking. <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, it, it feels to me less like that he's just super loyal and more that like he chose to imitate Perrin instead of. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have anywhere else to go, essentially, because he's. Perrin is his new role model and he becomes kind of a, a bodyguard for Perrin, despite all of Perrin's uh, pro protests. <laughs> Perrin's lack of enthusiasm yeah. over a guard. Yeah. No, but the, the, the thing that I just that I, I think really makes this worth. I think considering is like everything we've seen of the tinkers and their community and their culture so far is they are all about accepting people the way they are. Mm -hmm. Now they're all about that. And also they reserve the right to tell you that harming another thing is, is wrong no matter what the circumstances, but they're all about that. They're all about like, accepting and other people accepting them and like mutually not respect but like mutual i guess acknowledgement of each other yeah i don't have to agree with you you don't have to agree with me but that's but fine. they they choose not to but they choose not to with quite literally their child their own people they're they, it's like yeah. the outsiders are gonna do their own thing their own way yeah. that's fine i understand you're misguided it's okay and then when one <laughs> of their own says 
actually, like, I'm actually, gonna go I'm do gonna that. Do they are yeah. out. They are dead. They are mourned, and it is heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a good sad boy. So, second topic, second trauma for today is secondhand emotional trauma for men. So, um, we usually try and do our second and third topics as main characters. Um, there's a lot of main characters in this series. So, Min is kind of a weird one where we could kind of justify her either way, but we're. So, she has this gift where she sees visions as it's described, circling someone's head. Um, And those that have really influential or powerful or tragic futures have more of these visions. And sometimes she knows what it means and sometimes she doesn't. So it's like, there's a crown over his head or there's a knife over her head or I see a ring or I see two hands. And sometimes she knows, well, you're going to get married or I'm sorry, you die tomorrow. And she has this she's had this since she was little and so the concept of secondhand emotional trauma is that it is not your own trauma that you are going through but the exposure to someone else's trauma being traumatic you so it's equivalent to secondhand smoke you're not smoking the cigarette but the cigarette smoke is still entering your lungs and still affecting you And so the trauma is still impacting you. She knows that this person is going to die tomorrow. And as she puts it, there's never anything that she can do to change it. She can tell them, she can say, this is what's going to happen. And sometimes that's what causes it. And if she doesn't say anything, it still happens. And sometimes it's like, there's a path diverging and you'll either do this or you'll do this. I don't know which one yet, but most of the time she either doesn't know it at all or knows exactly what's going to happen. Um, and she has this vision of the White Tower uh, toppling and being destroyed and is then trying to get people to believe her. <laughs> yeah, there's a... Min does not have, for the record, she is not the Cassandra mythology curse. Yeah. People do believe her sometimes. Yeah. The, the struggle is for her, like, like Heather said, sometimes if she says something, she'll cause it to happen. And sometimes if she doesn't say something, she'll cause it to ha- Like, there's no way for her to navigate it in a way that is like... And she's saying things that in their minds are completely impossible. That's never going to happen. Yeah. Even though she's sitting there with certainty going, no, 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 no. I need you to understand that. And she's like walking through the halls of this big tower and it describes her seeing images over so many people's heads of them dying within the next i don't remember what the time frame is but i think it's just a couple days she said that it's within a day or two that the beginning of the violence will happen to the end of it but here's the catch with this particular vision she doesn't know how long until it starts so it could start next week and it could start in 10 or 15 years and she doesn't know and so that it's it's just Hurts but she's walking around she's walking around knowing that until this happens people she cares about yep. and people that she doesn't care about but people that she cares about are going to get hurt and there's also an added layer here where or hashtag plot spoiler i guess reasons um uh her very close friends that 
are also a lot of times at school at this at this tower are not there and she doesn't she physically can't go lay eyes on them and even see if they'll be part of this violence she has no way and so she's sitting there thinking my friends are going to get hurt or killed these people i've known for a while are going to get hurt or killed my other contacts are going to get hurt or killed these innocents who are here yep. training are going to get hurt or killed like that even when she doesn't like the other Sedai, or she doesn't trust them or she doesn't have a reason to like think that they have any positive influence on anything she's still looking at them going these are some of the most powerful magically powerful people in her sphere of the world and they are all going to be either injured or killed or negatively impacted in a span of a day or two and to add to this and that's a that's a scary thought because if they're going to get hurt like that what's going to happen to everyone else and to add to this she also at this particular time of this specific book so Mm. many of these storylines are like even just story arcs are multiple books long just so you know yeah yeah, for this particular piece of it her friend's that she arrived with and are the closest to in the story, thankfully are already gone, but she's there in disguise. So she also can't go and say, I'm the person that you know has this power and you should believe me and let me tell you. She literally has to sneak up to the person in charge of the white tower and say, hi, this is what's happening. Here's my information. Here's my visions. Here's what I've seen and sneak away without anyone else noticing. And people do notice. It's just not 100% successful. And so (laughs) then she gets in danger herself. And there's there's a whole, like, how to be this person in disguise while also still giving the warnings and being heeded and not being thought of as the um, young lady with no thought in head that she pretends to be. She genuinely tries to be just somebody who's seeking sanctuary from two boys fighting over me i don't know but she's not that at all and (laughs) her her internal monologues are funny her men's internal thoughts are great but it's just the 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 struggle here that you know we're really i guess talking about is like the the knowing it's going to happen and unable to help stop unable to help unable to stop it unable to even prepare yeah there's nothing she can do it just is going to be the way it is and maybe it'll harm her and her friends and maybe it won't and she doesn't know because she can't that's the other thing too is that she she can't see anything on herself yep like that's not a thing she can do so she doesn't even know if she'll be there when this happens she doesn't know if she'll live through it she doesn't know it's just yeah like she could this could kill her she doesn't she doesn't have a clue and it it's so like uh, just you know it's that thought of like i know i know this is gonna and then she's 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 she almost has i don't want to say ptsd but she almost has like traumatic reactions to things before they happen we see it happen in other places in the series too because she knows it's gonna happen and so she's dealing emotionally with the impact before it even occurs and one of the there's, all her her entire life there's one situation that happens that i think made her sad depending on the path it was going to go down but a little bit happier because she was able to say here's what you need to do to stay alive and then if you don't do yeah. it that's your choice and she's yeah. able to tell them here's what you have to do if you do this you'll stay alive if you don't 
you'll die. I can't tell you when, I can't tell you how, I can't tell you in like if it's going to be in a fight or if it's going to be a sickness or whatever, but do this or don't, it's your choice. But then she's able to, when it happens the way it happens, she's able to sit there and go, okay, they chose what they did and this is what happened and okay, cool. Rather than just the absolute certainty of you're going to die and I can't help you and I have to start mourning you now. Or you're a random person on the street and I'm not going to tell you because it's not going to do anything. And if I tell you, I'll get attached and it'll hurt worse when I find out that it happened. All right. So this is going to be a little bit interesting. Uh, We are not talking about a particular trauma with regards to a character for our final topic. We are instead, again, we've done this a couple times, we are talking about just the way that reader experience tends to be with this book. Uh, I want to set up our topic a little bit really quick before we actually get into it. So Heather and I both really love this series. Um, In talking to other people over the years, I at least, and I think Heather too, I think we've talked about this before have had essentially the feedback from people comes in one of four categories. You either love the idea of the series (laughs) and look at the fact that it is 15 books and go, oh, no, thank you. (laughs) Or you get like one or two books and then go, there's how many more? And you just stop. That's category one one? response. Yeah, like book one is the shortest. What is happening here? I think even the prologue is longer than book I one. So. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, or category two, you look at, you either start reading it or you don't, and you find out how complicated the plots are and how long things take to resolve and how many pieces are moving. And it, you look at it and you're like, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like the idea of it. It is not fun to read. It is not fun to have to do this. If I need a flow chart, for every character, I don't want, and you just you just say no. Group three is people who like it <laughs> and read all of them, and that's fine. Group four, in my personal experience, and I'm sure there are people who have had other experiences that are not included in this, but group four tends to be people who start reading the book and have a kind of a visceral reaction to the way these characters are either bigoted or mean or just don't treat other characters very well and you kind of have this reaction of like this isn't fun this isn't fun to read and I don't like this and it's that fourth reaction that we want to kind of pick apart and address a little bit right now so this is going to be a little bit less of like a <laughs> uh, our typical discussion and a little bit more of like, here are some things about this book to know if you are going to try and read this and you don't know, you don't want to commit to a 15 book series if it, you're not going to enjoy it halfway through. Um, because, hey, maybe you're like me and you love long, complicated plots that make sense and are internally consistent and take the time to fill the reader in when they're not or wouldn't be from the outside or whatever. Like they clue you in and you love things like that. 
And then you've heard things about the series and you're like, mm, maybe not. So we're going to kind of, I think, call out a couple of things that might make you not want to read it. And maybe we're going to explain some things that make you give you context for maybe you do want to read it. And But we want to kind of address that feeling of like, oh, these characters are bad. Yeah. <laughs> we want to pack that a little bit. So one of the things with this series with the characters is Nicole and I tried to hash out a little bit as we were figuring out the topics. Every single character that has a name has character development. Some good, some bad, some long, some short. Every single one has some piece, some thread in the tapestry of the wheel of time. Oh, wow. Some short, and it's two pages long, and page one is in book one, and page two is is in book 13. And that's it. But you gotta know who they are, (laughs) but anyway. You have to remember them, yeah. Absolutely. Plot development, they have character development, but every single character changes and evolves and is impacted by what takes place um Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of characters who get challenged and who are like okay i'm gonna get better and others who get challenged are like nope digging my heels in and i'm gonna go this direction with it and every single one of them justifies in their own head we get so much internal dialogue and monologue and 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 thought processes and everything and you over and over and over and over and over see well i'm right this is what this is what i was taught this is what i know this is my justification this is why what i'm doing is what i should be doing and then you get the visceral other reactions of the people around them either very happy with what they just did or very not (laughs) And then in their internal monologue going, what the, this is going against what I needed. And (laughs) there is like, there's no character that is a pure of heart, makes all the best decisions, treats everyone well and is perfect. But there are some who that's their goal and they get called out and work on it. And there's some who that's definitely not their goal and then they get better (laughs) at it. And then there's some where that's not their goal and they make you know it. Yeah, this this book is this series is tricky because so on the one hand, there is a tendency that has been pointed out to me before and uh especially doing this podcast it's something where like it was pointed out to me and I kind of was noticing the pattern on my own even before we started doing this podcast, but doing this podcast there's a very like what I in my head have kind of internally tagged the cis white het male author character descriptions where it's there's a trend where like but it's but it's those authors who are being inclusive (laughs) it's but but it's the way that they go about doing it where a lot of times you get these these characters where those authors are intentionally have varied body types or they have varied things about their characters you have different um descriptions of different ethnicities or different uh different religions real or imagined it doesn't matter but they have they they vary it up they intentionally put diversity into their work or they just do it because that is how they see the world and it's it might not even be intentional it might just be the thing that they do because that's how people are and they don't really think about it but there's a habit that a lot of those authors have which is to just have your characters experience problems and experience bigotry and particularly without 
confronting it as being a negative thing or showing the impact on those characters. And that's a... Now, on the one hand, I am not arguing that this author is not of that demographic. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that it is sometimes hard in this series because this is actually a series that does call out and confront and challenge and push back and show consequences for those things. But it's not done in a way that really protects the characters. And it might not even be immediate. It might be again, something happens in book three. It might be five books later. And then it happens, the the call out happens in book nine. And another thing is that there's so much an individual having something that is different from the group and them having to stand up for themselves or their people are going against them. And then, so if you have like an Aes Sedai amongst the uh, tinkers, Aes Sedai is the weird one out, but then the tinkers amongst the Aes Sedai, the tinkers are the odd ones out. And so you have constant shifting whoever is the majority holds the power and holds the i this is the world view that we're working in right now and you got to deal with it and then they move to the next sphere and find out that they're not the majority and now they are the ones that have to deal with it and the main characters go through it over and over and over and everyone (laughs) again in their head is uh also has their own priorities and thinks that they are what they need is the the important thing. What they came from, what they know is the main, how the world should work. And then constantly getting told, no, the world's different yeah. than you think. And it forces a lot of character development right. constantly. Constantly. Yeah. Every, every character in this series will change. Yeah. Every single one. And like, and again... But the, the, but the key things I think that really... This is my personal opinion... Mm-hmm. I think the key things that will decide whether you, if is, is, again, assuming you like long, complicated <laughs> plots and you like fantasy politics and you like all of the other stuff that is if in this, this book, this is your only issue. The key thing, <laughs> if this is your only, yeah, if this is your only issue, the thing that I think will decide whether you like this series or whether you really don't like this series is: do you need your characters to have protection? Do you need your characters to have aftercare? Do you need your characters to have immediate trauma recognition? Do you need your characters to acknowledge that they are being bigoted the first time? Do you need your character growth to be different for the reader than it is for the character? Because if the answer to those things... I can't think of I any. Can't. I can't think of a single moment of aftercare in this entire There's series. So much trauma, then we got to deal with it. I don't it think that ever on. happens. <laughs> Worry about it yeah, later. But the the <laughs> the thing that you have to you have to know going into the series is that like the misogynistic characters get told from the start, "Hey, don't do that." <laughs> the misandry, mis- misandristic, misandrist character. I don't know how to pluralize that yeah. one. I don't know how to do that to that word, but. Those characters also get told, hey, maybe don't do that the other way There's either. There's classism that's addressed. There's uh, racism that's addressed. There's a difference in um, just one culture to the next Everything. culture. That's ex- and all we, of that. We have marginalized classes of people in this series that, quite frankly, can't physically cannot have a parallel in real life. Oh, yeah. It's not possible. We have, a, we have several different 
classifications of marginalized people depending on what area you're in and whether you're in like their center of power or out in a different area we have several classes of people who are purely based off of like the magical categorization that happens in this book like that that's cannot be a thing <laughs> like the the way it is done cannot be physically a thing in our in our real world because of physically what it is but like anytime you have those power dynamics we always 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 eventually eventually because it's a very long series eventually we do hear from the people who are impacted and we do see the effects of those negative decisions and you do see the consequences and you do see characters getting their comeuppance sometimes and you do see the characters getting revenge sometimes and you see the characters growing and choosing not to sometimes and you see forgiveness sometimes you see it handled well you see it handled poorly you see people reacting out of spite or reacting with an open mind you see one of the things with this series see- is that there's no, other than literally the big ending of good versus evil, the entire rest of the yeah. story <laughs> is so gray and so people it's reacting so, as people. Yeah. And, oh, but the, the thing that is, the thing that is stressful about this series and that will, I think will really make or break it is like, we see, we see all of those negative things and then you get the point of view of the person who is doing it and you see why they are justifying it to themselves. And the important thing to know going into the series is that this series doesn't expect you to agree with what the character is saying. This book doesn't expect you to to look at I'm going to give a what's going to sound like a wild example. This book doesn't expect you to look at their version of the crusades (laughs) and look at those quote-unquote crusaders who are called the white cloaks oh my god yeah tell them i'm not wrong wrong. (laughs) this it's not a direct biblical parallel it's not a direct historical parallel you don't have to look at them and say they're the white knights they're always correct everything's amazing no but they think they are the book doesn't frame them and the book doesn't frame them as being right the book frames them as being like torturous murderers and then you get a, a scene from their perspective and you see that they believe that they're right. But the book doesn't expect you to believe that they are right about themselves. Like, there's no character in this entire series that you are ever expected as a reader to look at and go, oh, yeah. But if makes. you do, like, you're just not. then great. There's, and if you don't, Yeah, if you fine. do, then fine. <laughs> but like, I mean, quite frankly, there's some cultural practices that are, as far as I know, invented whole cloth for this book that oh my goodness i wish those were real i want them so badly but they're not and but there's things so there's things like that where you can look at and go oh that's a good idea or oh that makes sense or oh this character's motivations feel right to me but if you also if you go into this book expecting there to be a good example or a character who is not harming other people you're just not going to find it i mean even the main character literally says i am people are main character is one of the worst (laughs) people are tools i'm using them because we have to get we have to stop the end of the world got it yeah like but but that's never but it's not the the thing that i like about this book series and i think one of the things that that i really i i like it because of this is that for all of those negative things none of them are hints yeah the characters internal monologues or or external monologues even sometimes will flat out say I am, like for the character Heather mentioned, I am using people as tools. And if a tool breaks, I will get another. That is not a hint. It is flat out stated. And if you are somebody who gets really frustrated because characters 
like or books like pretend that a character is fine and they expect it they're like justifying it and you're expected to to you know pierce the veil and get it and understand that it's not, like this the series doesn't do that to you and it is so refreshing and quite frankly for me as a reader when i was when i found it because i was like oh it's terrible yeah but that's the point yeah and if you like that you will love this series if you don't like that don't bother it will not, not be your, your thing time. and you will hate it. every second of it it's not worth your time Can you believe we've been friends for seven years? And it all started because I compared you to Alana the Lioness. Tamara Pierce really set the tone of our friendship. A love of magic. Briar Moss. Fantasy. Briar Moss. Powerful women. And of course, Briar Moss. I'm Anna. And I'm MJ. And we invite you to join our circle of friendship. Where we do a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Circle of Magic series by Tamara Pierce. We answer important questions like, how does Moonstream let certain dedicates take care of children? Can you imagine anyone else but Mandy Patinkin playing Nico? Knives, Briar. And Knives! Join us every other Monday at cofpodcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. But seriously, Knives... to our wrap-up and ratings for those who have skipped straight to the end uh we have a slight change in co-hosts this week um robin and my sister heather is hosting with me nicole today instead of robin um there are some complicated scheduling and other reasons for that for this particular book but tldr it is very hard to get three siblings in the same place when we all have vastly different schedules from each other <laughs> so uh heather and i are doing this book instead on our own uh also heather and i really like this book and we want to talk about it both of us actively want to talk about it which is not true for robin so that being said let's get into our wrap-ups and ratings so uh starting with uh oh our three traumas we have abandonment and this is abandonment by actually i'm just gonna not specify we have abandonment our second one is secondhand emotional trauma and our third is author treatment of characters uh so mild moderate severe backstory off screen torture porn how are we feeling about abandonment abandonment is so it's pretty harsh. Yeah, it's either moderate or severe, but it's definitely right there in your face. So I think I want to argue for severe. I yeah. I don't think it's torture porn because it's not drawn out. You it's, also well, don't it's not see drawn it coming. Out. We're also not expected to like it. Yeah, it's very difficult to read. Yeah, I'm. I think severe. Yeah. Uh, secondhand emotional trauma. This is a little bit harder. For this specific book, yeah. I would argue severe um, because of... Just the impact it takes on the Im- toll it takes on the character. Impact, inability to help the whole. Oh, yeah. It's impacting not just one person. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. For this, for this book, I would say that it is severe. That's fair. 
Uh, author treatment of characters. So this is tough because what we talked about in the uh, segment is about how vastly varied a reaction readers have to this. I am going to go ahead and argue for severe. Yes. Because if, it, if it's impacting you, as we said, in it's, it, it's there is no it's protection. There is no protection. Yeah, so that's kind of the whole thing is, yeah. It's it's going to be a lot if it impacts you. If it doesn't impact you, then, then you're, you're fine. fine. <laughs> you're good. Uh, integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant. Abandonment. It's all relevant. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I This is, <sighs> I it, this is really hard. It's really hard because... The, there's so much to these books and they are so complicated and they are so long and there are so many of them and everything is so interwoven that it's really hard to look at a very difficult to read, stressful plot line for a character who quite frankly deserved like relevance, any, any, any kind of support or care or love or yeah anything and instead is quite literally told no you aren't allowed it's hard to look at that and say that didn't matter but like it really doesn't and the whole the whole book has a lot of characters that uh, exist for two pages and have major impact and it has not a ton of storylines that 100% didn't need to happen yeah but this is definitely this this has yeah not even interchangeable because what this does for the story so many things already do yeah it's mostly just a fleshing out of a piece of the world and not really much anything to do with any plot line at all <laughs> not even main plot line like it's its own plot line that's just kind of exists and it kind of walks beside a couple others but like it didn't have to be there and they would have been fine uh Secondhand emotional trauma. Integral. I almost want to say interchangeable because. So here's the thing this character could have not existed, and you could have just had characters who. We, we have other characters who make prophecies. We have things that could have been done fiction wise that we could have had characters who know how to scry for the future. We could have had characters who I would argue know things and can affect them without it being traumatic. We have character we could have had a character who sees things for other people, but not if they're involved. Like I, there's so many ways this could have been handled that would have been either not traumatic or would have just been another way to get the same thing. I think it's interchangeable. I would I would argue for the specific instance of this book interchangeable for the character's ability through the whole series integral just because it is so but that's what i'm saying is it could have been you could have done it but you would have had to take so much to replace it but you but that's just because it gets used a lot it's not that it's hard to do yeah you could have swapped this entire character for a wizard in a tower with a scrying bowl okay yeah yeah (laughs) interchangeable then you know it's what I mean? Used, like, it's used a lot. It's very major. It's very prominent. But you could yeah. have swapped it for a very similar. And this is a great. This is a great character. But even her. like even the particular incident, they didn't need a warning, and the plot would have still happened. 
the the warning seemed to be to up the ante for the readers rather than yeah. actually impacting. Yeah. 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 Which okay. which is really sad because I love this character, but like we could have swapped this character for like and the book of prophecies from Good Omens. This character could have the, <laughs> this, the, this their... character could have been traded. This character could have been traded for the nice and accurate prophecies of <laughs> of Agnes Nutter from Good Omens. And the plot would have still been she fine. could have like, been kept as I a character, this character in terms of relationships to other people and not had you her could power. Have, and you could have, yeah. and you could have given yeah, her power of some form to someone else. And it you could have fine. also, <laughs> I guess, yeah, you could have taken her out completely as a character, and then she just wouldn't have added the dimension that she did to the instance that she was there. I th- yeah, yeah. She she almost exists to give other characters the illusion of control. Oh, I don't like that sentence, especially since <laughs> I agree with it. I the thing this is the thing. I love this character so much, but she's not there because she's necessary. She's there because she's cool. <laughs> we just like these characters, okay? We just like yeah, we just like these characters. Like <sighs> I love her very much, but she's very interchangeable. She, she didn't <laughs> Yeah. She didn't need to be yeah. the one to be traumatized in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh author treatment of <laughs> other uh, treatment of characters i am gonna argue that this is integral because it's because it's it wouldn't be the tackled. same book it's what's being tackled so much so much of well, the interactions regardless yeah. of the story it, the the only thing i'm gonna say about our topic talking about this because i think this doesn't even count as a spoiler is this has to do with the way the author has characters be on the page so it it has to do with their inner monologues it has to do with their interactions with each other it has to do with the way they are described and who is describing them and how and what things other characters notice or know or and you if you change the author voice so drastically as to not make this traumatic it's not the same series and it's might even not even be the same characters and you um, and you wouldn't have some of the so, tie-in because you wouldn't you wouldn't be you follow, physically you wouldn't, couldn't. you wouldn't be following why this person did what they did you'd just be like that was weird i don't like that done rather than yeah. oh wait <laughs> why what's happening and it's a different way to pull you in even if you're 100% like i don't agree why are you doing this right. you still read because you kind of want to know why and you want to know how it how it plays out yeah absolutely yeah but this is very much an author voice creates the everything situation and yeah we we couldn't we couldn't make it not traumatic for anyone without it literally not being the same thing care so we have no not enough you said care i heard hair and i was so (laughs) confused care no yeah care care rating so we have no not enough enough and then just yes so care taken with um abandonment yeah (laughs) it was there's no warning there's no heads up there's no again aftercare addressing it i think we we have a little i i want to say there's a little bit of foreshadowing but like yeah this, this whole series everything is a little bit of foreshadowing the second time you read it oh yeah oh 100 but you're not catching it at the beginning and then keeping I mean, it in your mind you till four books later maybe you are but like there's so much the, the the thing that makes me think it's not enough instead of just straight up no 
is the reaction to by another character to this character's abandonment and the fact that this other character has some of essentially what is basically the reader reaction but on screen so yeah. like the They're- same the same feelings that you generally speaking are feeling about the treatment of this other character you're seeing a main character have that same reaction and horror and it's you have an audience member there who is literally going oh no i'm so sorry and you and then (laughs) and then taking care of character not great aftercare but that the character that's being abandoned is not then left on the side of the road 100 percent for the rest of the story they're right they're folded into a new thing but that's that's the only thing that that's keeps it. us from just being a straight up no. Like the the point of this character is that they just don't have anything else. <laughs> um, but but I th- I think it isn't. I think it is. It kicks it up to not enough because we have our main character in there who is upset with us as we read about it and are upset about it. And I think that's that helps. Um, secondhand emotional trauma. <laughs> uh does she get any help? <laughs> I don't think she does. No. I think she's just especially not suffering. in this book. She she gets help in this later series, late, later yeah. parts of the series in the sense of we value you, we want to take care of you that is stated and then yeah. there's lots of like protection really of her person that she just says no to, but there's yeah. but for this particular trauma of it. No she doesn't get any help she's being used she is a tool and she is living in her own mind with this thing um for author treatment of characters i think i think we need to say this is straight up no because that was literally what we talked about was yeah. that like if you're not okay with the answer to this question being no don't read you it. don't let you don't read the series if that does not bother you or even is cathartic for you great um read it you'll like it <laughs> but no the author does not the fact oh, that the I'm, fact that people... i'm rethinking this almost like the the author the author is when you presenting these characters to you in a particular way yes and you are not obligated or even invited to think that they are good characters making good decisions or right in any way shape or form but you are also not given any kind of a buffer between you, the reader, and their actions. And again, there's so. so many great characters and there's so many great decisions and everything. And especially towards the beginning of the series, which the fourth book is mm-hmm. still the beginning of the series. There is <laughs> so much change that hasn't taken yeah. place yet yeah. that even once it takes place it's it done so incrementally that it doesn't feel like there's care. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's not. Yeah. There's, there's not. Um, for our point of view, we're not even going to discuss this. I'm just writing multiple for everything. We have multiple people yep. Yep. who are seen through their eyes as things are happening. We have multiple people where we see other people seeing what is happening to like this book this series i think arams might only be through parents eyes yeah because well we get a ram i think like twice maybe maybe once like it's it's parents chapter all the books uh 
chapters are, are done a different point of view, essentially. Feels like it that anyway. Um, but that's fair. But everything else, but is, everything else is so is many multiple. points of view, so many things all the time, especially for the last one. Yeah, <laughs> this whole book, yeah, <laughs> the whole series has a lot of points of view. Yes, book one starts uh, pretty like this is the one character we're following, and then even that <laughs> quickly diverges into so many in, different like, stories and so many. Sometimes the chapters aren't even all one character, and it just. And you're in. You're seeing the world from their point of view. You're never truly seeing it. What is it's it? It's always it's, it's second person. I think. I think yeah, yeah. You're never like I'm only overlooking the world and I don't know what's going on in anyone's head. And it's yeah. There's no omniscience zero in this book for you, the reader. Because if you're looking at the chapter from, uh, let's say, parent's point of view, it's still saying parent not i right it's, but you're it's, not it's, it's always into second person aram's head or anything yeah it's second person multiple viewpoints yeah multiple but but yeah like there's no there's no reader knowledge that does does that that hasn't been given to a character in re in media res that doesn't happen um so moving on uh, so Heather and I are going to do something slightly different. We, Robin and I have started doing Trope Spotter. Heather and I wanted to try something else. So partly because of what series this is and how, I, I don't want to say device, I guess divisive is a good, how divisive the reactions to it tend to be. Um, we wanted to talk about why we do or do not recommend the series. So Heather, I would like you to go first why why do you recommend the series or why do you not recommend the series to people i recommend this series if you enjoy fantasy if you enjoy a book that does subtle foreshadowing that you don't necessarily catch on the first or second or third read through you don't catch all of it there's so many pieces but then when you get to the end they matter and they happen. And you then reread and go, why didn't I catch this last time? Absolutely you didn't because you didn't know your brain didn't have any reason to pay attention to that piece. Uh, and I love those stories. I love it when it's not, this is clearly foreshadowing and now we're moving on. I love it when you are doing a reread and you catch all the different little things. Holy cow, I love that. Um, I also, one of the things with this being a super long series, and this is not the only super long series that I personally enjoy and reread, weirdly enough, um, something that the author does that I personally love and I think is very helpful. You have a ton of details, you have a ton of people, you have a ton of storylines, but each person, each place, each uh, culture is described very similarly across the board within its own thing. So parent is always described one way. The words might turn around in the sentence. He might add a new adjective. Ooh, ooh, ooh. But if you're getting a description of parent, you're getting the same description across the entire series, which then helps if you haven't like you don't, you haven't interacted with a character for three books and then they're being described that way. Your brain goes, wait, we've read this before. Who are you? Why do I know you? 
and it helps tie things in. Places are described the same way. This city is always described this way. This culture is always described this way, um, which just helps track better. It helps have con uh, consistency across the board for such a long series with so many moving parts. You have a stable footing and you know who you're reading, like like whose perspective you're reading from, where you are, who's talking to who, what their personalities are, because they are always described unique and individualistic to themselves, but consistent across the board. And that is so helpful. So if you enjoy a long series with lots of moving parts and you don't want to get lost, that is a thing that he does that I think is very helpful. In a shorter series, it's not very captivating. Yeah. But it's very useful in this book. And I love it. And rereading it, my brain is building those neuro pathways for each of these <laughs> descriptions <laughs> and makes it track even better in my mind time after time. Uh, and this is the best end of series payoff mm -hmm. I have ever read. Yeah. You think it won't be, especially if you've read a lot of gotta save the world from the big bad, we gotta save the world for good and evil, da -ba -da -ba -da. Oh, oh, it pays off. The hype is worth it. The whole, mm-hmm, yep, absolutely worth it, 100%. But don't read it if the things that we talked about, especially for the last topic, don't want to handle, you don't want to deal with, they aren't good for you, they impact you negatively, don't tackle it. If you can't do a long series, don't tackle it. If you don't like a lot of mystery or moving parts, don't do it. So I think a, a reason I think you should read this series Uh if you were that person <laughs> who even considered reading War and Peace and went, you know what this needs? It needs to take more time on its descriptions. It needs to make the characters a little bit more memorable. And like Heather said, you know, reintroduce them more and more as you go on. And you just need it to be a little bit more fantasy and a little bit less real life. This is the series that you've been hoping for. <laughs> Uh, for context, yes, I have read War and Peace. <laughs> I haven't, um, so good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 thing that I I think this series does really well is I I fully agree with Heather. It does really well with keeping character descriptions and key signifiers both weirdly distinct for a series that has a lot of characters from the same area or the same group or the same whatever where you think their signifiers would match but it's like and they're consistent everyone has a shawl so you know that they're all part of this group because they all have the same type of shawl but colors are distinct and patterns are distinct and things of mannerism like there's there's enough signifiers where if you like tracking characters like that this book does a good job of setting and them character up descriptions and from consistent. one character describing another character still stays Always consistent still it stay still is consistent yeah. Um, it's beautiful. The also, if you like, if you like political intrigue and get frustrated with your politics in fantasy feeling like real life with a fantasy skin on, this book doesn't do that. This book does has some really wildly varied cultures, wildly varied places, physical like locations. I want a book um, on the Game of Houses. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Just focusing like, around that. The this this book bothers to put in the variety and detail in the world to the point where it does not resemble our real life. And it's legitimately fantasy. Um now, does that mean that you can't grab a culture and say, well, something, something, somewhere in the world, maybe this one part of it? Like, sure. There's only so much that the human humans can imagine that we don't haven't experienced. But generally speaking, like, you will never in our in our real world find a culture that works the same way one any of these do in this book. It just won't happen. And quite frankly, the one that maybe you could find a little bit closest is the one that we start out in in book one. <laughs> and and so like it's you, you know start on you start out the most then, familiar. <sighs> yeah. It starts the most familiar and just gets more away from how we function in on this on in our reality. So I I appreciate that and I like that. Um uh it reasons you should not read this book. Tracking a lot of things at once is complicated and difficult for you you won't like this book. It will be frustrating from like chapter four, <laughs> from book one, chapter four. So just don't do it. There are other very great fantasy books that just don't require that. Uh, also, if you want there to be a clear good guy, bad guy, don't read this book. If you want your protagonist or any character to be any kind of a role model or a character that you want to put yourself in their shoes and you won't like this book. You won't like the series. It doesn't do that. It doesn't want to. Uh, and it doesn't pretend to, which is, I think, important. But if that matters to you, don't read this. You won't like it. Uh, all right. Moving on. Our last but not least thing to talk about today. Favorite non-traumatic thing about the book. Um, Heather, you want to go first or second? <laughs> I'll go first. Okay. I love Amis or Amy's, however you say her name. I think it's Amis. Pretty sure. She's so cool. She's <laughs> so good. And she's so... None of the disclaimers from before am I removing right now. All of this is still within right. the context of the same series. But she is... She is manipulative. She is no, I mean, <laughs> goes down list. Yeah, no, but she's... Yeah. Yeah, she... There's, there's, yeah, but, but she is somebody who her presentation in the book, again, even with the under, like you get the understanding of why she's doing what she is and why she's thinking what she is. Um, I love specifically her introduction in the story um, because you see her in her element and you see her where she goes to feel free and wonderful and it's such a simple but powerful image and then you meet her and she's tough and cool and within their culture kind and loving and also <laughs> yeah. willing to do difficult things and not so difficult things and drill lessons into your head for your safety and not just out of duty and there's so many pieces of it but i think she's my favorite character across the board <laughs> i just i i get excited when she shows up in the story yeah she yeah that's that's my favorite and she shows up for the first time in this book so 
I think my favorite thing in the book is <laughs> this is going to sound really weird. Uh, probably. I think my favorite thing in the book is how relatable Matt is. <laughs> Matt makes sense to me in a way oh, that is not going to so make sense, sense to anybody else. I, I'm sure he doesn't even make sense to you and I in the same ways, but he. Oh, he is the person that's like, why are we saving the universe? Because we live in it, but I wish I (laughs) didn't have to. Great, you got it. Because we live in it, because we live in it, and I know that I have main character syndrome, and I just, can you just leave me alone until you need me for plot reasons? Like, can I, no, I don't want to be in the spotlight. Nope, that person can get the glory. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do me. I'm going to come over here. (laughs) Wait, don't teach this person that skill, even though I do it and it's great, but I know that it should, like, he is so self-aware while people seeing him as so shallow. I Matt is one of the oh. most self-introspective, self-aware. Mm-hmm. 100%. Takes risks knowing what he's doing and not pretending it'll be fine. Character in the entire series. He is the most quote-unquote realistic. In- quote-unquote realistic. <laughs> like he and I, he and I do not have the same vices completely. Um but like we would be best friends but we would never call it that because that's not how we would if like we wouldn't it would be it would be like we're just reliable (laughs) you know like it would be that and I just I appreciate him as a character I think we would like legitimately I would trust him if he existed in real life as he is in the book. I think it's very similar to in how I think of Amy's actually for people in real life. I, I think, I think your view of Matt in, in the last little bit that you just said is the same as my view of Amy's like, yeah, reliable. Yeah. yeah who I would get along with, who I would trust, who I absolutely, I love Matt. Like, I do would... I think Matt makes good decisions? Hell no. Not. <laughs> do I think that Matt always in the entire series has the self-awareness that we referred to no do i this is but again you watch it happen i have a friend who i think we would even consider each other to be very like matt in different ways and like it's a big part of why we trust each other Mm -hmm. i guess uh, not because of this character, but like this character is a very good example of why. And I, it's it's funny, but I I think I I like that character. He's grumpy grandpa who my favorite does thing. things so begrudgingly and yet is so awesome, but is also just like, why are we doing? Okay, fine, I'll do. He, he literally, <laughs> he literally is the he literally is the hey, your plan doesn't make sense, and here's why character mm-hmm. he is the yes we have to save the world but please i want a world to be exist when we're done saving it character he is the hey think your plan through or i'm leaving you to go have consequences without me character yeah he's the i'm, like, I'm gonna come over here and i'm <laughs> gonna bury my head until i know that i need to unbury my head because i'm aware that the world is continuing around me even though i really wish it didn't He's the only main character who in who has anything in his life even approaching self-care. 
he oh shit yeah <laughs> ah. uh, he he legitimately <laughs> could hear you processing he, he takes his time with himself and says you i'm gonna yeah. deal with this hold on a second but he's the, the one that, that says no i'm gonna go deal with me i'm gonna go take care of this excuse you i'm not gonna bleed out for you i'm gonna go bandage my wound thank you but yeah. then when you're in danger again, uh, I know it's not fully healed, but I guess I'm going to go after you now. Like, everyone else is like, no, for the greater good. Yeah, Matt is not like that. <laughs> Matt is like, hey, if we burn the world around us, what was the point? Mm-hmm. If I am not doing well, I need time to heal and recover. And now I don't want to go on another mission because I'm injured and I don't want to do this thing because emotionally I'm hurting and I don't want to open up to you because ow and i don't trust you and i don't like this and i'm gonna go here where there are people that i do actually care about and i'm going to promote this person into this place because they'll do what i want but i'm never going to be alone with them he's the only character who reacts in ways where i go yeah that will keep you alive you're correct (laughs) and like and it's it's i he's my favorite character probably in the entire series I get uh, I get excited with so we have the three main characters of like the, mm-hmm. the original trilogy or whatever. I get excited for his storylines, for his perspective. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for his, for his take on things and for him going, "Hey, that was a bad decision." For the other oh, two, you, I get excited because of, of what you they're need, doing. You need a wingman for your bad decision. Okay, fair warning. I will not tell you it was a good decision. You're cool with that okay let's go (laughs) like yeah and and matt legitimately is the only character who backs his friends up every time Mm -hmm. he's the only one (sighs) he's anyways uh thank you for hanging out with heather and me this this episode um thanks for having me on yeah, <laughs> thanks for coming with me to to talk on air about this series just that we both really love. More proof that these discussions do not just happen with two of the siblings. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you, everyone, and we will catch you in a fortnight. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at Books That Burn at Yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at Kofi.com slash Books That Burn or becoming a monthly supporter on Patreon.com slash books that burn all patrons get access to our upcoming book list bonus content including the second half of all interviews and will receive a one-time shout out to get updates on our written reviews recent episodes and newly completed transcripts subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn you can find us on apple Podcasts, pandora spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please leave us a review wherever you're listening this helps people to find the show thanks for listening we'll be back in two weeks